Victoria has surpassed Vancouver as British Columbia's most expensive city, according to the latest calculation of living wages in the province. This is an annual report. It's put out by the folks at the nonprofit Living Wage for Families BC and the Community Social Planning Council. And the report says the living wage in Greater Victoria increased by 20% just this year. Here to talk more about it is the Executive Director of the Community Social Planning Council. A pleasure to say good morning and welcome to Diana Gibson, joining us from Victoria. Hi, Diana. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Uh, This is disturbing, I suppose, for folks in in the Metro Victoria area to find out that uh, it's now official. You're more expensive Vancouver than Vancouver, rather, Diana, but I doubt that anyone in the area is too surprised. Yeah, I mean, we definitely know there's a bit of a premium on the island. Certainly anybody who goes to the grocery store, um, you know, or looks for housing here really knows. Um, But I guess it's the housing market that's really changed from Victoria to Vancouver. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Was that the the sort of the deal breaker that that made the big switch from uh, Vancouver in first place to now second and Victoria tops the list? Yeah, I think so. I mean, housing is definitely the biggest cost for households. So out of the budget that so uh, uh, although housing didn't increase as fast as food because it's the biggest part of the budget it's the overall biggest increase but you know the place where we did see the biggest jump up is in food okay so let's talk to uh, about the minimum hourly wage component to the report because this is one of the major determining factors diana that made uh, victoria top vancouver so what what are the numbers here what what is what is the minimum amount of money based on an hourly wage that uh, you need to make to survive successfully in greater victoria these days well it's just Shy of, of, of twenty four fifty, so twenty four forty nine an hour is what an individual needs, and this is somebody we're, we're assuming it's somebody who's in a household of two earners. So each person needs to earn that. Wow! If they have two two kids in the house, um, so that that's not you know that's not a, a, a household earning income. That's like a person with two earners in the household that need to be earning each of them uh, twenty four forty nine each per hour to be able to have a dignified income. And this isn't like you know, they're not going to be planning trips to the Bahamas sure. or anything. This is a basic dignified income. So it does allow them to not have to choose between paying their different bills at the end of the month. It does allow them cell phones with data because we know that in order to have a job or find a job these days, you have to have that connectivity. So it does have some connectivity, some data. It has, um, in, in rural houses, it has a vehicle um, it, and it has um, some savings, school supplies and costs, you know, a bunch of basic things. So that it can uh, allow a decent, basic living for somebody in a household with kids. So what you're suggesting is just a whisker under 50 bucks an hour combined with the two working parents uh, generating said yeah. money. That's what it's going to cost to live successfully, not grandly or in fine style, but just to live comfortably in Greater Victoria. The household has to be generating approximately 50 bucks an hour in income. Uh, the other part that I wanted to ask you about, Diana, is the increase in wages, because last year the average wage was not 24.49 that you suggested is now. It was around twenty dollars and fifty cents, almost four dollars lower than it is yeah. now. What's the big what one year? That's a huge turnaround. Yeah, and that's where it's housing and and um, and cost of living around food and, and expenses uh, that have driven that up. And it's it's much more than inflation. Like that twenty percent increase, inflation was you know closer to, to to between six and eight, depending on the month last year. And so that increase is because 
uh, we're seeing higher cost escalation in basic needs. And this, you know, if you average the cost of living across a whole bunch of goods and services, including non-urgent, non-priority stuff, it'll be more like the cost of living, you know, 6 to 8%. But if you look at basic essential goods, that's where we're seeing it's actually a 20% increase. So this tells us that lower income households are really seeing that cost increase on their basic needs at a higher rate than inflation. Indeed, we are. And of course, it, 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 it shakes down to on a local level, Diana, to uh, you know, reports that we're seeing from all sorts of retail surveys and such that suggest, for example, something as simple as the projected amount of spending individuals are going to do this year over Christmas is considerably mm-hmm. lower than previous years. Not welcome news for those in the retail sector, particularly small businesses, even though people who are saying they're going to spend less are going to are going to try and focus on helping out small businesses where possible. But again, uh, if people are pulling in their horns, uh, this yeah. is this, this would suggest that it's going to become even more expensive. Yes, and this is you know this is the thing where particularly our living wage certified employers are really feeling the squeeze because they've got the same supply chain issues that the households are being hit by. Yep. So the costs are going up for those small local businesses that are trying to be certified living wage employers, and then they now have to do this big jump in in wages, which is huge for a small local business. Um, and they're seeing going to see customers pulling back, and all of those are the you know the businesses most of the ones that are living wage employers are things like tourism, retail, they're the ones that were hardest hit by the pandemic, too. So they're still in recovery from the pandemic. And now they've got this supply chain cost, and then they've got the living wage jump, and then they're going to have customers pulling back. So definitely that's something that we're really concerned about with our living wage employers. We were certainly happy to see the government make that announcement the other day on hydro and a cost of living help for households. Um, Certainly um, some bits and pieces that are starting to put some help where it's needed. Yeah, and, and and the premier, our premier elect, I suppose, at the mm-hmm. time, Mr. Eby, who's going to make a public safety announcement later today too, and I am sure that you'll be interested in hearing that. I know I am, uh, but yeah, for sure. he talked about, and he said, "Look, it's not the it's not the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow." I'm paraphrasing. It's not going to. Yeah. It's not the magic bullet that's going to make everything no. better for everybody. However, um, the uh, it, it's it's a beginning. It's a recognition that some people are in really tough times. Yeah, and it, you know they did a preview in September. They announced an uh, increase in the carbon tax credit to get money into the hands of lower-income households. They did the childcare um, and and a one-time BC family benefit. So they're benefits. So they're doing a bunch of different pieces. I mean, certainly the living wage tells us that we need more, and the area where we really need the government to do more is on housing because that's what's driving up costs mostly is the high cost of access to housing particularly rental housing and that's in our in our calculations it was the jump in rental housing costs that really changed those numbers so that's where the government needs to do more purpose build nonprofit rental housing that's going to be controlled prices that people can have access to in low income. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, you're, you're, you're kind of on our wavelength this morning, Diana, because there you are talking about uh, some of the priorities you feel uh, the EB government, which officially begins work tomorrow morning, uh, should have. Our question of the day uh, for our buzz lines is, what should David EB's first priorities be? And yeah. uh, you're talking about now affordable housing. Is that number one on your list? Uh, based on, on the perspective you're providing us this morning? It is. You know, we saw when the government invested in child care in 2019, the living wage actually went down, which is great because workers and employers were able to have that cost of living covered without having to have it, co- it com- come over to consumers and, and prices for small businesses. 
So the government invested in childcare and the cost of living uh, went down and the living living wage actually went down. So the, the government can do that with the right plate, right investment in the right places. And that's where housing is going to be that priority area to get the cost of living to go back down again and help employers and workers. It's going to be getting access to adequate purpose-built public investment in housing. All right. So as far as your group, uh, the uh, Community Planning Council, uh, that's, that uh, is collectively your wish list for the EB government that starts and ends with affordable housing. It is, yep. Interesting stuff. We appreciate your taking some time to join us this morning, Diana. It's it's interesting uh, findings. But I suppose if you're living in Victoria, it's not welcome news on a chilly Sunday morning to know that, oh, gosh, lucky us. We're now the most expensive city in B.C., which typically translates as the most expensive city in the whole blinking country, too, doesn't it? It does. We're, we're closing in. Certainly, I think we might be higher than Toronto on the living wage this year, too. So it's a dubious award to win for sure. All right, Diana, thank you for this. We appreciate your time and the facts that you present and put on the table for us today. Thank you.